to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. You know, I'm moved, I think, deeply than I could ever express how God moves when we say yes. And if you're new to life, this may be a new concept to embrace a way of living that is not just about who we are, but has an effect on the generations that follow us. In fact, I wrote this thought down this week that legacy is literally the outcome of focused investment. You just don't wake up one day and have a good idea that you're going to climb Everest and then be able to attain it. If you look behind the scenes, you discover that there were many that focused their, their lives, their everyday decisions, down to what they ate, how they exercised, to be able to achieve mastering something that had never been mastered before. In fact, when it came to Everest, much of the world in the past believed that it was impossible to master the largest mountain on the globe. Some had tried, but many had failed. And when you think about that, I think about what God wants to do through His church and mastering the need that people are facing. To think uh, in the next two months, we're starting our next two soup kitchens. Down in Manurewa on the 28th of July, Mount Roskill on the 20th of August. And it reminds me of one of the insights that literally changed so much of the way that I saw that Kingdom living is not just about turning up and ha taking your position on a pew. It's, it's about the fact that you discover that kingdom living is about a generational commitment. That everything that we are to do once we've met Jesus is to realise we're here to set a foundation for others to walk on. Not just to be seen by people, but literally make a change, a shift in the environments of those that don't understand what we understand. I would say much of today's lack, even practical lack, is the result of an unfocused yesterday. There weren't the previous generations that put in place a focused investment to say, you know, we could shift the tide. Any problem that we have on the world can be changed with focused investment that's led by God. And I love where we're going with community because not only are we embracing the challenge of social services, which is the now need, but we're committing to education so that by God's grace, we can help people where they're at, but say, you don't have to stay here. Your goal is not just one of survival. Your goal is one of sustainable living that affects generations in front of you, that you can become the man, the woman that you were designed to become, created to be, to set a platform for others also to walk on. And yet I would say as one of the spokesmen of the church, and you know I travel globally, but I say, unfortunately, the church is still giving in to a me-focused gospel. You know, I'm here for what I get out of it. And God says, well, I'm here to provide your every need. But I want you to understand kingdom living is not about you and you alone. It's about you embracing the values of eternity. About you not just wanting to get to eternity, but becoming Jesus's hands and feet. And the challenge of that is a shift in who we are. And here at Life, if you 
a new life you may not yet understand, but our purpose and our passion has not subsided. We are here to encourage you, to challenge you that legacy has an outcome, but it's an outcome of focused investment. We're gonna look at what we can do and we are devoted as a church, as a community to the building of a foundation that would see the church of Jesus reposition itself as the hope of the world. We believe that in the future people will go, I want and I need and I have no answer to this, but the place to go to is the church. But not just as the hope of the world, but the cornerstone of a God-centered society because there is no political party in the world outside of the wonder of Jesus that can turn around what the enemy meant for evil. Come on, I need some support. God is able through our willingness, not just our focus, but our willingness. Because secondly, I would say that legacy is accomplished within our committed yes. It's like, okay, God, well, what is my role and what is my part to play and what could I do to make a change? You know, even where we're at today in our legacy journey of believing that by next year, we will be able to be a part of a community called Life that would have more than $20 million worth of community impact taking place every year. That by God's grace, we'll begin to lift the level of meeting everyday need and then putting people on a pathway. And you're a part of a family. Many of us have been here, Marie and I and many others, 29 years. And there's been this obedient yes. Not a forced yes. Not somebody that's gonna make you do what you're not ready to do. Not a comparison yes. It's an obedient yes. It's like, God, is that what you're asking me to do? It's a committed yes that comes from deeper down. And you might go, well, Paul, why are you so animated? It's like the grandkids. Papa, why do you shout in church? <laughs> I think I'm animated because there is a real enemy that is wanting to destroy little lives and older lives and generational curse where people have never broken free to understand why they're here. And, and, and I believe that God is calling us to hear the Father's heart. For me, things shifted drastically when I literally, not verbally, but in my spirit heard the Father say, but Paul, if they could only see, if they could only know, if they could only experience how much I love them. There was a guy by the name of Isaiah and it was a sad time. In Isaiah 6 and verse one, where the king, King Uzziah was his name, had died. But I love in that point of darkness, Isaiah says, but I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high end, lifted up and God's train filled the temple. Verse three, and one cried to the other saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Get this, the whole earth, Aotearoa, Australia. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Verse eight, and I heard the voice, uh, the voice of the Lord saying, this is Isaiah, 
whom shall I send? And I wonder who's up for this? Who, who will go for us? Well, I'm praying that God would help the lonely, that God would feed the hungry. Jesus says, there's no good praying those prayers. If they're cold, take the shirt off your own back. Yes, pray that God will enable God's people to live this uh, obedient, committed, yes. Take hold of what is there and legacy is accomplished through that committed, yes. In fact, where we are today is because thousands of people, thousands of families have said, yes. Wherein we wanna be a part of a generational echo that looks back and says, there was a generation that set the foundation. And there are literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people seeking the hand of help that find the heart of the Father. And I believe that God is stirring us and with passion that there is a call from heaven. As a nation, we're passing bills that are destructive. And it's no good fighting people, but there's an enemy behind it and there has to be the Spirit of God moving through the church for us to practically, practically not react, but respond. Michael Maiden, if you don't know him, he is recognized as a, a guy globally that has a prophetic anointing. What that means is he can bring what God would wanna say to people. He came into our world in September of 17. I'd never met him, but I bumped into him in a green room before the uh, manifest presence. And uh, he began to prophesy. And this is what he said as he began to speak. He says, I see when I was preaching, Pastor Paul, a great vision. I saw a beautiful building, talking of the central building. It's not an auditorium. It's like the theater of the arts. I saw people lined up half a mile to get in. The Lord said, he's not just building a building. He's building a central tool to reach a country. The people ask you, Paul, why are you doing this thing and that thing? And why does it have to be this way? You have been consistently persistent, Dutch blood, about this is what it needs to be, but God is gonna use it like a big fishing boat. How many know right then I knew it was an accurate prophetic word? <laughs> to increase the capacity of your ministry to reach a whole other realm of people through the arts, through demonstrations of creative cultural expressions, and God is gonna honor your faith. So it's just 18 to 19 months away. We were in the middle of what seemed an impossibility. You and your wife are laughing, 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 laughing because everything you saw in the Spirit, you're gonna see in the natural. And everyone who kind of doubted or questioned that this was even critical of you is gonna say, wow, I, I guess it, he was right. I guess it was a God idea, a God thing. So the God thing you are doing is a big thing, but it's gonna affect this culture in a way that has, hasn't yet been consistently wrought. So some amazing things are gonna happen. There's gonna even be secular interest in what you're doing and how you are releasing the presentation of your facility. God is gonna sh sh show off. So I loosen now like a floodgate. I command the door to open in the next stage of financing into your world. Come on. And God, there are people even in another country that will give and promote and establish this because you're doing a God thing. You're doing a heavenly thing. This is really gonna be victory for the kingdom of God.
And the reality is if you were where we were, there was no doubt in our heart that God had asked us to do what we were doing. But as you look forward, there was no possibility of how that would ever eventuate. And yet here we are today if we're in Central and of course the South and the North building are miraculous as well. Is that God has turned up and showed His hand. Then in Empower Weekend last year, where our leaders got together, we had Michael Maiden in and he was our speaker. He said, you know, Pastor Paul, this is an amazing thing. I saw like a row of houses and Jesus was walking the houses and he had this like a packet, which said on the packet, assignment. He knocked on the first house and the man opened the door. No, I don't want it. Isn't it amazing today that often God knocks at the door of a human heart? And the no, I don't want it sounds like I could never do that. The no, I don't want it is it's, it's just not appropriate right here and right now. It's amazing how many men have said no to God before you. You know, when you look back at the history of even New Zealand and Auckland, there have been numbers who have had a knock on the door. But God is doing something special. It's amazing how many men have said no before you and God had to look for a, to another nation to bring somebody here to say yes. You have such an obedient heart that doesn't even second guess things. When God tells you to do something, you say, okay, we're gonna do it. Even if it is hard like this, even when people say it can't be done. But you, the you is not Paul. Now listen, the you is not Paul. The you is not Marie. The you is us. But you have fulfilled and you are fulfilling an assignment to a nation that God's looking to fulfill. I still remember when God said, could you believe me to see the Auckland campuses paid off? How much would that be? Paul Snell, GM, how much would that be? $45 million was the number. So that we could then annually have more than $20 million worth of community impact. I remember saying, God, you can do anything. And it's like you to choose a little country that's always had a problem with money. (laughs) To do something that people never believed. Today where we stand in legacy, we're three years into it. We're at our final five months. We've got five months to see the completion of a miracle, which we're believing would raise 45 million. Soon as I felt that was God. I said, God, how would we do it? He says, you need to put a call out for 300 Gideons. 300 people, families that have got the ability financially to do something very significant. And then ask the church to have 2,700 families, we'll call them builders, that would help build the vision in their capacity. And so 3,000 committed families that would believe they could raise 45 million in three and a half years. Behind me on the screen, we want to update where we are at with that. That We sit to the builders, that's the 27,000 families that would say yes on an annual basis. Could we believe over three and a half years to raise 15 million? Those that say, hey, we, we've got a gift of giving and we have finances, would you join the Gideon team of 300 
And the Gideons, if we could put that up, would commit to finding $30 million. Could we do that to raise a total of $45 million? And of course, there was a loud yes. We didn't have the full numbers committed, but that's where we began up until this point. If we go to the builders, we have so far raised $9.8 million, which is phenomenal to think already families, everyday families are committing and saying, we can do this. And then our Gideons have so far to date raised $12.9 million. And uh, if you are good at math, you'll know that that equates to uh, 22.7, I think. 22.7 against 45 with five months out is not the full picture. Because somebody contacted us some time ago and said, God's been speaking to us uh, about having something that we put aside for a miracle he would tell us to let you know that we feel it's for life. And so they gave a one-off gift, which we'll throw up right now, of $14.1 million, which is a total amount of $36.8 million. When you look at that, you go, well, that's amazing, but that's still nearly 10 mil off. But we have got a number of Gideons that have pledged up until the end of next year, because Gideons have pledged right till the end, if you could put that figure up, of 7.3 million that is still to come in. But with some of the Gideons, they have let us know that they have faced a lot of challenge in COVID and other things. And some right now don't believe they'll be able to fulfill. But what we believe will come in out of that is 4.4 million which will take us over uh, 41 million, which means that our miracle in the next five months would be our final ascent is $3.8 million. And so I'm saying across all our campuses, I believe we could believe God to see 3.8 million come in so we could not only smash the goal, but as we've always said, we wanna be a conjure of giving more to others. And let me just say today that even our presentation of a million dollars towards City Mission today, that's not coming out of legacy. That's where other people are working with us and we're working together to be able to see miracles that are over and above just one mountain coming down, but many mountains coming down. But I, I pray that we would look at this and begin to think about that. In fact, uh, Pastor Luke will talk to the envelopes that are in the seats in front of you, but we're just saying, we're putting it out there. I wonder what could happen if we understood that legacy is an outcome of focused investment. That we actually put our name on generations that follow us because we are committing to our final ascent. We wanna climb the mountain. We wanna believe that God could do something. By the way, if you do a study on Everest and maybe you've learned about it, but the first two men to climb Everest was back in May 29, 1953, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay. Their expedition leader was Colonel John Hunt. The mountain itself is 8,800 and 
48 meters high. At the top of Everest, a lot of people don't think, oh, I wanna go to the top of the mountain. Well, it can be as windy as 320 kilometers an hour. You have 33% of the available oxygen that is at sea level. Most human beings, even within the church, are content to live at sea level. Because it's a great picture to climb and conquer a mountain that's never been conquered before. It takes a certain type of person that goes, you know what? My life is just not my life. My life is just not about existing for me and my and now. And it's about creating a foundation that others can stand on that I never had. It's about people that realize the power of their committed yes. Their focused investment changes absolutely everything. You see, by the end of last year, 2019, 316 climbers said they'd climb. But 316 died on the way. There is a cost for any generation to bring a change and a turnaround to literally take hold of the mission that what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn to good. And I'm asking every campus, every one of us, not to be under pressure, but all of us need to answer the why for why we're here. So why am I here? 61 years of age, 2nd of April, 1959. Early hours of the morning, Paul Andrew de Jong was born. I held on. I think mum was trying to push me out on April Fool's Day. <laughs> to which I said, no way. 61, so why are you here? I'm here to know God. I'm here to carry the heart of God, to bring a change in the world I'm in and create a legacy. Why are you here? Well, Paul, I might be one of those that never leave sea level because it's too taxing. Did you realise that a year before Hillary and Tenzing made it to the top as the selected peer the couple to make the final ascent, they attempted, he attempted in 52 and failed. After the failure, he was asked to address a, a group meeting in England. And I love this, he, he walks to the edge of the stage and he clenches his fist. And he basically says to Everest, Everest, let me read it properly. Mount Everest, you beat me the first time, but I'm gonna beat you the next time because you have grown all that you are gonna grow. And I'm still growing. And I believe the best days for the church are in front of us. I believe the best days for your family are in front of you. I believe the best days of our nation are around us. But you see, to reach the summit, you've gotta live a tomorrow dream. 
It's kind of like, I, I don't want to live just to get through. People say, oh, I'm so happy I got through COVID. I'm not happy I got through. What did I learn from it? What's your tomorrow dream? What echo will there be in the generations to come? <laughs> what could be if we lived in a place like Paul the Apostle who says, I'm not turning back. I'm not running away. No, I haven't even made it, but I'm on my way. There's a guy called Eric Wayhinmeyer. He was the first blind man to reach the top of Mount Everest. That was in 2001. 2008, he claimed his seventh summit highest peak, one in each continent. This blind man then wrote a book and produced a film called Further Than the Eye Can See. <laughs> Eric has achieved what just about everybody said he couldn't. In spite of his blindness or because of his blindness. Sometimes we've got to close our eyes to what we see as our weaknesses and our impossibilities. And we're going to see with the eye of God beginning to take us. You say, yeah, but Paul, you don't understand my background. God does. And maybe your granddad, maybe your grandma, maybe you don't even know who your father is. Never set you up for a win, but there's a God in heaven that says you can stand and you can climb the mountain that other family members were never able to climb. And there is a legacy in front of you that you can bring to pass and bring to change. Remove your distractions and live out a dream. I pray that City Mission will never back off. I pray that life will always be known for what we're doing more than what we're saying. I pray that every one of us would get on and go, you know what? I don't have to do what Pastor Paul's doing. You weren't called to that, but you are called to be somebody who carries that dream. Somebody who lives your tomorrow dream in your here and within your now. Somebody who's gonna commit, secondly, to play your part. See, a dream is actually easy to have, believe it or not. Easy to have a mission statement on the wall. It's another thing to play your part. You know, I see our teams, middle of winter, raining outside, soup kitchens, sitting with the isolated one in the rain that doesn't want to come in. And here is a picture of heaven on earth. Here is a picture of people that are feeling value when they receive a Christmas box that they've never felt before. Nobody knows me. Why would this happen to me? A commitment to play your part. See, we love to honour, and rightfully we should, Sir Edmund Hillary. He wasn't even the team leader. He was part of a group of close to 500 people that enabled the summit to be reached. 350 porters. Ever known one of their names? They're the ones that just do all the stuff that makes it all work. They carry the load. 20 Sherpas, people that have scaled that mountain many times that go ahead to find the best path and to look out for any impending challenges. 
And then there were 10 climbers, five groups of two that were all prepared and ready to be called on to make the final ascent, the most dangerous. In fact, one of the parties on this expedition tried and failed just 330 feet from the top. The second party was Hillary and Tenzing. You know, there's an incredible sense of what shifts when we live our committed yes. I'm believing that the three and a half, 3.8 or 9 million that we need to raise and the protection on those that have committed. I've said from the start, wouldn't it be awesome if we had another five or 10 million that we could give away? Help other churches that aren't quite ready, but have it within them. Other, other needs and ministries. Let's be a church that's always generous. You know, there have been people that carry us in prayer and are part of our church, don't even live in this nation. We were to have Pastor Jeffrey Rachmart next week. And he's going to share a message anyway, but he won't be here. And they came some years ago and he's never seen the building, but he heard the story of what God was calling us to be. He went home and said, Paul, I just feel that, hey, our church in Jakarta wants to be a part of it. Sent us a check for $100,000. Again, another great part of life is Elliot Crowther, who uh, again, him and one other guy started push pay. And Elliot's just going to drop in on the scene and say a few words. So just enjoy his encouragement. Hey guys, so cool to be joining you. My name is Elliot. If we have not met, life has been home to me for a long time, about 15 or so years. You know, Sally and I would have done anything we could to be there in New Zealand right now for what is a monumental couple of weeks for us as a church. But we are in exile, also known as lockdown here in the US. So <laughs> we couldn't make it. But we get to join you and we're doing this via iPhone just for a couple of moments. What an amazing moment for us as a group. Obviously, when we look back, we can see a number of years ago, God so clearly gave an amazing vision to Pastor Paul and Marie, and they have walked that out so faithfully with so much obedience, and we're all participating in that right now. It's such a special thing. I'm so excited about it. You know, when I'm in a moment like this, it's, it's such an interesting thing because it's easy, you know, you're on your final ascent, you're making your way to the top of the mountain and it can kind of get easy to lose hope for a moment or it can get easy to take your eyes off the prize for a moment. And when that happens, you know, there's actually a passage in scripture that we can turn to and it can encourage us on how we can respond. Because I want to say what's happening right now to us and with us as a church is amazing. The position that we are in is extraordinary. So let's look at that passage for a second so that we can be resolved. Here it is, it's in Hebrews chapter 12 and it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, that's a cool passage. I love that. You know, we could put it in different language. We could put it like this. Hey, let us now make the final push up the mountain. Let's complete that. And 
if you're failing in energy and you're losing hope and you're starting to fade just a little bit, then turn your gaze just for a moment to Jesus and look at him as an example because he's the perfect example, it says here. He came and he knew the sacrifice he was making and he knew that it would cost him everything and yet he did it. And it says that he did it for the joy set before him. Well, what was the joy set before him? The joy set before him was relationship with you and with me. That's why he did it. That's why he gave himself away. That's why he sacrificed everything. You know, you never look more like Jesus than when you give your life away. That's when you most look like him. And I want to encourage you right now that you get to look like Jesus making a sacrifice. And if you're losing hope or you're taking your eye off the top of the mountain, then we get to replicate Jesus. We get to do it for the joy set before us. What is the joy set before us? The joy set before us is so that other people might be in relationship with him. Other people might know the goodness of God. Other people might spend eternity with Christ. That is worth it. You know, for me, I cannot separate generosity from somebody else's eternity. They are intrinsically linked. And so in this moment for us as a church, as we make our final ascent and we make it to the top of this mountain, 2020, what a moment for us. Keep that in your forethought. Keep that in your mind and turn to Christ as an example for somebody that endured for the joy set before them. Wish we could have been there. We love you guys. We're praying for you. We're cheering from the sidelines. You guys are awesome. We'll see you soon. So cool, huh? I do believe that's why I get emotional. That God's knocked at our door. I suppose my cry is how many are ready for the final ascent? Come on, we've got five months for a miracle where God gets all the glory. It was T.S. Eliot who was a publisher and playwright, who said this, only those who will risk going too far can find out how far they can go. (laughs) And that's why we heard that we've got to focus and commit to a vision that's bigger than us. Imagine. Imagine the elation of a party of almost 500 that saw a mountain succumb and opened the door for thousands of others to do the same. And my prayer, my encouragement today is, let's take these next three days of prayer and fasting, let's take this season of just saying, God, what are you saying? And what could I do? What could I live out? What's my committed yes look like? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you're a God that is looking for channels. You're a God of so much more. You're a God that 
says that the human eye has never seen, the heart of a human has never fathomed the things that you've prepared for those that love them. We pray, God, that we will live a life that has a legacy echo in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled church said, Amen. We love you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.